going on everyone welcome to this week's episode the last episode of the season uh, for the regular season of course because we didn't make the playoffs of river city 93 i'm your host as always elliot Barr. i'm the guy that didn't go to the stadium last night because i was at homecoming having a hell of a time a time was had um but joining me are three people that were at the stadium sat out through the rain saw some good goals saw some bad goals is Matt Shanir Kate? How are you guys doing? How was your night? Angry. Had a good time. Y'all, y'all had fun. Angry. I'm angry. Shanir, when are you not angry? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you all. I'm ready to hang two banners right now. 2023 attendance champions, 2023 possession champions. Raise them up, y'all. There you go. There you go. Raise those banners to the air. You know, we could hey, we could have had a trouble this year if Wago didn't uh, drop their last game. We could have we we could have had the wooden toilet. I mean, the wooden spoon as well would have been a proper trouble. Uh, I think they would have had to find a couple other wins somewhere along the way too. Yeah, uh, I'd say we got the true highs and lows of USL League One football. Being a fan. <laughs> man. I, I was at homecoming, and I was—I I kept getting alerts, and I saw it was like one 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 nothing, two nothing, two one, two two, three two, three three, four three, four four, four five, and I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, so you got—you got the experience. That, that's basically the experience in the stands of what what is going on, yeah. what is happening here. It is just so crazy just to see like the game that probably had a lineup that I don't think any of us would have ever pulled out of our hats. Um somehow managed to score four goals, but give up five. And man, it there's a I'm not gonna lie to y'all. There's a part of me that is that, you know, would have wished for a win, would have been a good way to kind of end out the year or whatnot, you know, whatever it may be. Um, there's also a part of me that is, like, I'm kind of happy we didn't win because that way we can't mask over the last three months and we have to face these issues head on, you know. Just my wishful, wishful thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that, but... You know, in the stadium, you know, go up, you know, two nil. There was a good energy at that moment, and I mean, call me naive, call me stupid. I thought we were good at that point. <laughs> I feel like this season is the uh, what's, what's the definition? Like insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. And like, expecting expecting a different result. Didn't we go two nil against Fuego last time? Draw that game three three. Yes, sir, we did. 
Oh, We'd seen God. this film before. Yeah, a few, a few versions, a few times. You know, we, this is like the, the Marvel franchise of uh of soccer right now. You oh. know the script, just always a little bit different packaging. And unfortunately, this was the most number of goals we'd scored in a single game all season, yet still managed to lose. Yeah, I don't think we've led this many goals since the Union Omaha game, which was four to one. Yeah, the start the start <sighs> of the uh, winless run, coincidentally enough. Hey, yeah. Uh, listeners, if you're here listening to us, first of all, we just want to say thank you. We you know it's been a tough season. As we always say, we couldn't do this without y'all. Um, but make sure to follow the show, like us on YouTube, um, and uh, you know wherever we listen to your podcast at. But sometimes you just gotta laugh through the pain, and that's what we're gonna tip to do. Um, let's start off on a good note, y'all. Well, not an all a good note. Let's try to get to a good note. Um, let's talk about it, Mister Neil Vignoles. Wore the cup, kept his armband last night. Um, had an impressive um, penalty kick he made. Kind of was the tip only in the scene. Darren said something very interesting about Neil, and I asked him also in a pregame show that Neil Vignoles has stepped up as a leader um, and that he's someone that the team is kind of looking to put pieces around. Do you think, I mean, granted, the last three months have not been good on the field for the Kickers, but for Neil Vignoles, is the right move to build this team around Neil and, and, and utilize his talents? I mean, I, I think, yes. yeah, same here. I, I, I would say yes. I mean, over the past, over the past two, three months, he's been head and shoulders above the rest, the best on the squad. I mean, he's just been in a class of his own with regards to the rest of the kickers. But there's not really any competition. So, yeah, build the team around the guy who's actually putting in, you know, giving us results, you know, creating things and actually playing well. Agree. One of the things I talked about in – giving him the MVP last night was for however much stock you put in the ratings that are given players on Fault Mob, he is number five in the league, um, 7.47 average over the course of the league. Um, Pretty impressive to be in the second from bottom team and still be a top five player in the entire league. Um, Somehow edging out Trevor Amon, who just secured the golden boot for the season. Um, and interestingly enough, he is actually the player with the third most player of the match awards throughout the season as well. So he, I would say, didn't just have an excellent season in a vacuum, but even compared to every player in the league as a whole, um, you know, whatever numbers factor into giving those rating passes completed, key passes, big chances created, goals, assists, um, he has had a stellar season. Um, especially given the context in which the results that he was participating in. Yeah, and I also know he finished second in the league and our chances created on 66 behind Trevor, I mean, not Trevor, uh, Arthur Rogers, who had a mind-popping 85 chances created. So, yeah. Um, Matt, anything you want to add to it? Yeah, I think, yeah, 
throughout the mess of the last you know, three months, seen a lot of, I won't say negative, but maybe not positive body language out on the you know, field. Uh, and Neil's a very notable exception, just, you know, even, you know, how he's playing during the game, you know, exuding, uh, and it looks like building confidence in his own self, you know, as we've gone along, you know, it seems like, you know, to me that he's gotten, you know, more assertive, more aggressive, you know, on the field, on the ball, uh, you know, a couple of the, you know, we had always talked about, all right, you know, he's going to be playing on the ball, but you know, maybe not driving it forward. Like he's taking you know, more guys on, you know, right now and doing all these things. So really, yeah, he's even just physically carrying himself, you know, differently out there and beyond, you know, just the actual you know, skill level. The, the only reason I pulled a little bit on saying build around him, uh, he's had a couple of injury issues, you know, you know, during his you know, time here. And I don't know if it would just be a total house of cards if everything's built around one, you know, one player. And then if he goes down, do we have that ability to change function? Because we've seen how the ability to change function has gone. Yeah. Man, that's that's a better conversation for next week. Yeah. That's, 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 there you go. There you go. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Um, also, Neil... <clears throat> Officially on the seats is that he scored one goal. I, do you guys think he scored two? Do you think the quarter kick was an Olympico? No. I have no idea. I went back to watching the replay. Yeah, I've even watched the replay over and over, and I, I, I don't see where it hit anybody. There were so many bodies between, I mean, in the path of where that ball went through to get into the goal that, I mean, it's got to have hit somebody. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see how it bounces where it bounced and didn't touch somebody. And, you know, some, you know, poor schmo from Fuego got, you know, hung with their own goal on it. I have no idea if it was actually that guy or somebody else. But uh, just the direct, I, I, I was trying to look and I was like, all right, it hit somebody. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it, but yeah, nothing here nor there. Um, another going back to Neil real quick, y'all. Um, Neil, personally, do you like him being the captain of the team? Like in the stretch, like are you cool with him wearing the armband when he's done somewhere? Because Matt, you alluded to it, like his whole like. Or around him has kind of changed where he he's kind of is like dragging his team forward in an attacking sense and to be second in the league, like granted, like to be second in the league in chances created has to stand like it's gotta stand for something because it's just like this team was god awful on the wings and still be second in chances created. It's, it's you gotta kind of knock like tip your hats up for him. I'm fine with it. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not a you know, somebody who endorses the idea of oh, the best player on the team has to be captain because that those are not always you know, oh, uh, you know the no, same no, no. thing. Like a lot of times, yeah. the best player is not a good leader necessarily. That's okay. Uh, so I'm not there day to day to be able to see what the dynamic is you know, you know, between guys. Uh, like we saw, you know, Emmy start the year with it. Uh, you know, we saw it go to Ani. At times when Emmy wasn't available, we've seen it move over, you know, to Neil a little bit. Somebody else might have had it for a week. Zaka. 
Yeah, Zaka's had it. Yeah, Zaka's had it a couple times. Yeah. So. One, one I mean, to be I'm honest with oh, oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Uh, I, I was oh, going to say that. Whoa. <laughs> Shanir, what do you think? <laughs> go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, I was going to say that when you look at the, the players that have had the captain's armband, I feel like those are the four kind of somewhat leaders of the team. Zaka, Ani, Neil, and Emmy. I mean, those are the four guys on the squad who you see more of a leadership role in. And there have been a lot of times throughout this season and last season where Emmy is the one who's Ging the Ging the guys up and, and you know, telling them let's get moving. Uh Neil has shown like like Kate, like you said, like his body language has always been positive, even through this mess. Like when you see the body language of other players turning negative, he still remains positive. Uh, Zaka has shown several times uh, leadership, directing traffic, giving instructions to teammates on what to do. I mean, after Neil hits that corner kick that went in, maybe uh, maybe his goal, maybe not. You see, as he's running back, you know, Zaka's talking to him and explaining to him something in terms of what to do next. And then Ani, of course, in the back has shown leadership throughout the season. So. I think it's fair that those four guys hold the captain's armband, but as of this last stretch, it, it, it's hands down for me. Neil has shown that sense of taking on that role, taking on that that sense of regardless of what we're going through, I'm going to try and stay positive. I'm going to try and move forward. Yeah, I and I complete and building off that, I what I what we've talked about a lot throughout the season is how many goals conceded are due to individual mistakes. And I think it can be hard if you're a player who is either being set up where maybe you're making more individual mistakes to keep the presence of mind and the big picture leadership that's helpful in a leader. And I think Neil has in his role slightly more forward in being able to demonstrate that he's creating passes that he's producing positively for the team. You know, we've seen the forwards not scoring. We've seen the defense leaking goals. He's in a position where his headspace is going to stay positive. He's going to be able to keep that big picture because his play has been at that level. He hasn't been, you know, making major mistakes that are leading to goals. So he can sort of be an example and sort of keep the spirits up of the players around him. I can imagine if you're a player who's, you know, down on your confidence either because you're not scoring goals or because you're feeling like you're in a position where you're conceding more goals than you'd feel comfortable. It's hard to sort of keep that positive mindset, keep that um, encouragement for the team at large. So I think he's been in a unique position to be able to provide leadership because his individual performances have kept his confidence up. And Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think there's all good points about now. So we'll see. I mean, he's here be back here next year so we'll see how things go how will the rebuild look we'll talk more about it next week but another guy that impressed um mr luke pavone i wanted to say something about i'm not going to um we got mr luke pavone um played a half and was pretty much the second most involved player behind Neil. i think he was involved in what three of the he was involved in every goal all three of the goals in the first half yep all three of them. That is not like a Luke performance. Take it away, Shanir. Oh, I have a lot to say about this. 
Um, we'll say some of it for next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about Luke, what made this performance? We, we've seen Luke before be the kind of spark plug energy running around, but what made this performance so much different for Luke in terms of being involved in, offensively and being crucial part of why this team kind of scored three goals? Um. Well, no, I, I do feel that Luke was very uh, – he, he was giving uh, Central Valley Fuego's left side a lot of trouble. He was giving them a lot of trouble. Um, he had several situations where he was beating the fullback, um, Victor Falk. Um, he was beating Falk on on the dribble uh, with through balls. Of course, Neil providing a lot of great through balls for him to to run on to, uh, beating Falk and getting crosses into the box, um, creating some chances uh, for Bentley, for for Vignoles, for Hornsby, and and then with that first one, he's in on that back post and rattles the ball off the goalkeeper to give us the corner kick goal off of that one. The second corner kick we took, he's the one who created, he's the one who created the chance that got us the corner kick. Um, and then of course, for the third goal, uh, Luke is the one who gets fouled in the box. He get he receives that pass. I think it's from Hornsby or is it from Neil uh, across the goal? And he takes a t- touch wide to pull himself away from the center back and Lewis thinks he's going to beat Pavone to the ball and Pavone just pokes the ball away and you know takes the tackle and takes the foul and and draws the the PK so with that being said he he was extremely extremely involved in the first half Um, I don't one could say that there could be some proximity bias with, you know, him running past us in section O several times, but I feel that there was a lot of attacks that were coming down that right side. And he was providing a lot of, a lot of great opportunities, great situations for us. Matt, Kate. He was playing. It felt like he had no pressure on him, like mentally. Um, you know, at the end of a long season, he hasn't necessarily participated as much as maybe he would have liked, but it definitely seems like he wasn't sort of bringing any maybe of the pressure that have been on some other players to perform. Um, and he's one of the players who feeds the most off of Sectiono's energy. He has one of the strongest connections with Sectiono. So as Shinya mentioned, playing, you know, Every time, you know, he'd earn a corner kick, he'd turn, he'd be clapping at section O, he'd be hyping, hyping up the fans. So I think he was also sort of feeding off that that positive energy and it was really bringing his game to another level. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key thing you know, here is the team is in a funk and he was able to you know, come in and you know, we, we know what, what his game is. His game is a hustle game, right? He's not, you know, going to go out there and you you'll be able to, you know, do all kinds of, you know, extra fancy, you know, moves. Uh, it's not who he is, not who anybody's asking him, you know, to be. But he went out there and he helped us set a tone, you know, I yeah. think. 
uh, both for yeah. you guys on the field, but also you know, being you know, like Hayden Schneider was saying, you know, kind of you know helping to you know hype the crowd up a little bit, you know, be able to you know, kind of build up you know the atmosphere because it is really a two way street. You know, it's a lot easier for those in the stands to get hyped up when you know the players are you know into it and vice versa. You know, rather than it, you know, just being the you know, fans giving the players, you know, the support. Uh, you know, I also, you know, kind of like I forgot which one of you said it already, but uh, you know, kind of playing free. I think it was probably his last game, you know, with the team. If I had, you know, to be able to, you know, guess, and you know, I think not having to worry about, oh, is this going to affect my, you know, playing time, you know, down the road. You know, this is just this is it. Let me lay it all out there the way that I leave it out there. You know can kind of you know, take a lot of weight off and take a lot of pressure off. And, you know, you, you always hear that's when, you know, athletes in almost any sport perform their best is when they're not feeling, you know, that weight on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And they get pulled at halftime for God knows what reason. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the more confusing ones. I don't necessarily understand why when he's been so involved. Uh, but we'll come to that point after we finish talking about the top threes. But, um. Yeah, if this is Luke's last performance, I'm gonna ask y'all this. Obviously, I know how much I got love for Luke. Luke is my boy. He's on a pretty yeah. nice jersey now. Um, if this is Luke's game, what do you think his overall legacy, or how how better yet, how will he be remembered in kicker like Richmond kickers history? He's the. Uh kind of the emotional heart of the first part of the League One era. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think when you have a player who can, who so obviously has a strong connection with the with the crowd, with the fans, with the supporters group, it, it builds an unconscious connection with the rest of the team or it provides sort of, it's, it's the first sort of, link in the chain and connecting the rest of the team who might not have a similar emotional connection, but sort of seeing, um, maybe putting a rose tinted lens on, you know, the supporters group and really helping sort of build the connection between the team and, and the fans at large. There's a lot of emotional work, I think from both sides, both from the fans perspective and from the rest of the team's perspective to see, like how strong a connection can be built between an individual player and individual supporters or the group at large. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about Luke is I remember that first season he played striker um, and he didn't score a single goal. However, he played every game. And the reason is because, and I feel that, that team was set up for him not to be the goal scorer, but the head of the press. And he played that role extremely well in my eyes. And and that will always be what I see in Luke Pavone is that sense of he's put up top not to score goals, but to put pressure on the center backs, but to, 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 to hound the back line. Anytime that ball gets passed back to the center back, back to the goalkeeper, Luke Pavone's going to be in your face, so you better get rid of it quickly. And that that was the the tone he set from day one as, as a kicker's player. And 
that workhorse mentality, that get in your face, you know, wasp bugging you, not leaving any sense of mentality is what I think endeared him to the fans. It's like they saw this guy running around and just making a nuisance of himself. You got to love it. Yeah. yeah it's hard to find a guy I'm off all that. Oh, you're fine. I'll say the last thing. Let's say this carefully. Uh, it's not that I don't think other guys out there care, but you have no doubt in your mind whatsoever that you know Luke cares about you know every single minute, every single you know result that goes on out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, honestly. It- it's hard to find a guy that goes through a complete entire season without scoring a goal, and he knows like, yeah, my job is oppressed. Like, I think Luke has literally played every position on the team outside of center back and goalkeeper. And yeah, was five years of being here, like right close, yeah, yeah. Like he, he's he, like you said, like he's been the emotional spark plug, and this is it for him. Um, I think he leaves with. His best foot and his best showing in a kicker's a kicker's jersey, obviously. And I mean, obviously, this year he's also had a game where he scored a goal and whatnot. But um, <clears throat> yeah, things didn't finish out the way how we wanted it to with him. And I mean, if it is it, then we wish him all the best going forward. Um, another player that kind of stood out um, was correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Hornsby that we said also stood out? Who was it? It was. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. We can just throw a dart out there at somebody. Two yeah. great services into the box, resulting in goals, which you can't ask for more than that from your corner kick service. Yeah. Yeah, I think it builds more to the maybe the you know third star, whatever the game instead of an individual should be, you know, the set pieces mm-hmm. as a whole, because all four of the goals were set piece goals. Uh yeah. So I'm going to take this moment to reference this back a conversation like two or three months ago. Say I told you all so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're also the same podcast that said that Neil Vignal's needs to be benched around like June, late yeah. May. And we just had a whole segment about why Neil. And he's, like, and he's stepped up ever since I said that. Right. <laughs> stepped up ever since. Everybody, you're welcome. Years. Yep, they, he listens to us. They listen. I, that, that lets exactly. us know they listen. Exactly. But you know, for all the faults of this team, this team is very good at converting set pieces, whether they're you know corners, whether they're free kicks, whether they're long throws. Like, I, don't, I don't have the stats because I haven't bothered to look them up. Uh, but I can't imagine there's you know too many other teams that have as many or certainly the percentage you know conversion rate on those. Yeah, so you know, Chandler scoring off a corner today or yesterday. You know, Simon scoring off a corner. You know, you know the penalty that Neil converted. You know, uh, the good. You know, you know that whole build up. You know, shout out. You know, Beckett. You know, getting forward. That had been kind of the one little you know, thing we'd gotten on him about. You know, the offensive production, and you know, he started the play that led you know to the penalty. You know, right there, and then. Uh, Whatever happened on that third corner, you know, kick that led you know to a goal, whether it went straight in, whether it bounced off somebody else, no one will ever really know because I don't think the video is that you know good to be able to fully tell who got the last touch. But no. yeah, I, like I do strategy. think 
I think what's very interesting is obviously offensive goals have been coming. They've been coming through set pieces. Terzaghi has been injured. I, I'd say the per, the proportion of goals coming from set pieces has increased significantly in the back half of the season, almost to the point where goals from open play have decreased. Have are very very far between. I'm not saying that's a problem, but yeah. it is interesting that if converting off set pieces is something I would say at the beginning of the season there wasn't a lot of clinic clinical i can never remember the noun for that clinicalness um and the fact that our center forward back-to-back golden boot three-time back-to-back golden boot winner three-time mvp uh has been injured and who is also what five eight um has been injured for the considerable portion of this whether or not there's been a maybe a change in strategy around what we do during set pieces. If you know our target forward is no longer sort of in the mixer, you've got maybe all your taller players um, in there. And also whether or not there's a question to be asked about our ability to score goals out of open play. Yeah. And whether or not relying on set pieces is it's great. It's wonderful to see them come in, but we've also haven't won a game. <laughs> since july and whether or not scoring goals our inability to score goals from open play has any bearing on our inability to win games um so Uh i just look at the stats we obviously we lead the league in set piece goals um you guys know how many goals we score from open play you guys want to take a guess i don't think we need to dwell on that right now set pieces are very good (laughs) well (laughs) Scored almost the same number as set pieces go set piece goals that we did open play goals. I just have to very good at set pieces. I'd I'd be fascinated to know the months in which those goals came. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. When you look at um, Terzaghi and when his injury happened, I think the amount of goals from open play just the switch got turned off. And one of the reasons is, and it pains me to say it, is the insertion of Matt Bentley up top. When you have someone who you've been playing out of position for so long and you'll be like, all right, now since Tazagi's injured, you're going to go play striker. He ain't got the shooting boots no more. And I mean, we don't know if he ever did because we don't know what he, what he provided before he came to the kickers. Uh, but just just by his his general movement, his the general way he plays, I could tell from day one that he's naturally a center forward or a striker. And we've been playing him on the wing most of the time we've had him. And then all of a sudden, when Terzaghi's injured, you throw him up top, you're not going to get the same type of delivery as Terzaghi with Bentley. Um I think he's missed a lot of chances um, ever since he's had that role up top. And, I mean, the service is the same coming from players like Zaka, Vignoles, um, Sarkowski, whoever plays on the right given the week. Um, this number of service has been the same. It's just converting those goals has just plummeted 
completely ever since Terzaghi got injured. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So we, we move on to that point. Um, kind of move more, a little bit more to the defensive part where we got to talk about these five goals. There five goals. Don't have to. Uh, <laughs> um, do we have to? I don't think we do. Well, hey, we'll be quick about it. We'll be quick about it because, once again, this, this is a game that we want to kick out the can very quickly. Do you blame these goals more so on the defense and how the defense was set up, or do you blame this more so on the care? Because I will say this, and for me personally, and I'll get you guys to be about this. For me personally, when I saw the score, I was expecting to see the highlights of the game. We see a Carol just let in like blunders. After watching it, I can't really blame Akira for outside of maybe one goal. And that's the one he kind of bungled over the line. Outside of that, I think the other ones were unsavable. Uh, well, the fifth one is a one-on-one, but he can't really do much there. But what what are you guys' thoughts on it? I'm just pressing it here. I think, especially when you look at the first two goals, the first two goals that they scored within the span of 10 minutes, both of those goals very good shots, terrible defending. I do feel that uh, for the first goal, I forgot who was out wide, who brought that ball out wide. I think it was, was it? I think it was Carrera who brought the ball out wide, cuts it back in for, um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, DA. Mm-hmm. Um, and First of all, when Correa gets the ball out wide, he has – I don't think it was Correa, it was Cromwell. When Cromwell out wide, he has way too much space to look up and find that slotted pass into D.A. Secondly, when D.A. gets on the ball, he beats his man way too easily. That was not that complex of a dribbling move. He beats his man way too easily and then gets a great shot off. Very little Akira can do about that. The second one, kind of the same thing. Giving players way too much space just on the edge of our box. I'll be honest with you, just because we don't like to shoot from the 18 doesn't mean everyone else in USL League 1 doesn't like to shoot from the 18. So <laughs> we, need to be, we need to shut that down. And that, that, is, that was a result of that. If we're going to give that shot, they're going to take those pop shots. And if they really hammer them, they're going to give Akira a problem. And that's what you, happened with the first two goals. Of course, there was an unlucky deflection on that on that um, that second one, but still, way too much space. Um, for us to start the second half within 45 seconds, giving up a goal, I mean, that, that just tells you everything you need to know. 45 seconds. And again, another situation yeah. of giving what, the player what, what too much space. I mean, was it? <laughs> the, the U10 principle of next five has definitely, after scoring or after after halftime, has definitely come back to bite us on multiple occasions because the Goal to, for them to go up 5-4 came what? How many minutes after equalizer to go forth? 
So on a number of occasions, that principle of next five has not been paid attention to. And I think, I think they were still doing the highlights when they scored. Like they had to cut yeah. away from the highlight of us scoring to show them scoring. Yep. Not as a show them scoring. Show them. Goddamn Victor Falk scoring. I don't know. But how, how, From how left back. You know, split, you know, split the defense, you know, running straight through. I don't get it. Like some other guys, I can get it, but. The number of goals scored yeah. at the sectional end against, against kickers has, uh, to me, I we love love seeing the goals, love seeing the goals scored at section O, but the amount of goals that other teams have celebrated in front of section O has been, I think, one of the biggest areas for shame. Conceding goals is one thing, but conceding that many goals in front of section O is, rubs the salt in the wound a little bit more. But yeah, I'll yeah. answer your first question there about, you know, Akira. Yeah, I think the fourth one is the one that's the most, you know, like glaring. Yeah. Uh, third goal, third goal, great shot. I mean, sometimes you yeah. say, you know, great shot. You know, there one one on one. Okay, maybe, you know, it's just kind of a hope you you know hope you can get down and you know they take a bat a bad shot on it. Uh, the second one, a little bit of a deflection. The first one, I wonder if younger Akira. You know, is able to get to that. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. I really don't know. Yeah. But I, th- I think the thing is, I also didn't see anything during the game that gave me confidence from him. Right. I agree like, on that. Nothing that really gave the belief that, yeah, this, you know, he's going to be able to bail us out like we had in past years. <clears throat> yeah. There was a question I about to ask, but I'm saving for next week. I'm saving for next week. But yeah, um, I, I can definitely understand that. Um, so, guys, if we look at it right now, it's the end of the year. What is it now? 15 game winless streak? So, nope. no yeah, it's uh, you know, our uh, sweet 16. Ah, there we go. 16. Oh, gosh. Um, so yeah, so six thanks for correcting me, Matt. Sixteen games now winless. Um I guess how you guys ask, how how will you sum up this season? How will you sum it up? If you look at it from a whole totality thing, from where we were at the start of the year to now, how will you sum it up? I feel like it's almost like a Roadrunner Coyote cartoon, right? The beginning, you know, there's this great plan. It looks like his plan's working, you know, you know, pretty well. It's all set up. You know, it's, it looks like, all right, you know, God is going to nail him. He's going to get the Roadrunner. And then the rock falls on where he goes off the cliff or, you know, pick whichever, you know, the dynamite, you know, explodes him. Anything like that. I mean, because yeah, first half of the season was it amazing? No, was it perfectly acceptable in every way and you know put us on target to you know reach new goals? Yes, you know we had 24 points after 16 games. If you double that, 48 points that puts us fifth place. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's tale of you know, two halves. The first half was maybe not interesting, but it was fine. Second half was, was not interesting, and it was not fine. It was, you know, literally one error, you know, record time, you know, collapse, you know, tied with, you know, the great Orlando City B teams, you know, that had a 16, you know, game winless streak. And those are not teams you want to be associated with. Oh, yeah. Five points picked up since July. Match, uh, thank you, Matt. Shanir, Kate, what's your summary on the season as a, as a whole? First half, average, second half, just groundhog day. Um, <laughs> it was literally every game was, hey, we went up one goal, and we gave up two, and we gave up three, and we gave up two. And, and it, just, it just was like literally every game was the same thing. We score first, and we capitulate. We score first, and we capitulate. And it, it, it was like I, I couldn't even enjoy us scoring because that just meant, well, well, we're about to drop the ball because it became so repetitive over and over and over again to the point where it was predictable. I'd say I also divide this into two, one being from a tactical and management side, one from the player side. The player side definitely feels like a very human sort of mental crumbling over the course of the season where a lot of goals coming from individual errors and not a lot of confidence from pretty much any player forwards or back line. Um, not much to inspire confidence, both in individual performances uh, pretty much across the board. So understandably human reaction to uh, from almost every player um, on the field. Uh, and then on the management side, not human in just an astonishing rigidity and a, a baffling rigidity in the face of very clear uh, lack of result. Um, from the, I think from the players, it's perfectly understandable the sort of snowball effect of individual mistakes making it harder and harder to sort of put your put put your best forward but from the management side uh, an astonishing refusal to adapt or change in the face of <laughs> complete like lack of working from a tactical perspective so i think i i have a no sympathy with that aspect of it because i i, I don't understand the decision making there from substitutions from the tactical setup from the players I can totally empathize with you know how difficult it must have been to sort of try to build despite those individual mistakes but from the management I I don't I have no sympathy and I have no interest in excuses as to why absolutely nothing changed as things yeah, just I, I did, worse did a little worse. quick math because just like the first half of the season the second half of the season were night and day I mean, how many times did we talk about first half of the game versus second half of the game? Yeah. Did a quick, quick math, so I might have missed one year or two here or there, but I think if games ended at halftime, you know, during the second half of the season, instead of taking five points during the last 16, we would have taken 21. Wow. Jeez. Are you serious? 
I'm we should double check my math, but it's oh my it's not that far off if I'm off. There's 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 oh. very from a player's perspective, I there's a crumbling there, you know, with one mistake snowballing, but from a management perspective, there's a clear inability to adapt or interest in adapting to oh, I mean, yes. to, to be honest with you, when you look at it, this this last game was it, it's in in essence is a, a a picture of our season. We go up two nothing. We 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 lose that lead. We gain it back before the end of the half. Forty five seconds into the second half, we're giving up a goal, and it just it just makes you feel like. And then you get substitutions that take off senior players who are producing a lot to bring on kids and suddenly putting the responsibility. The the very badly managed from a seeing out the win perspective in that second half. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, going going to to piggyback off of that, one thing I did want to address. Hold on. on. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. Save it for next week. Save it for next week. No, it's, it's about this game in particular. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. It's about saving it for next week. So we, <laughs> okay. We're we gonna have this discussion. It's coming. We <laughs> throw your ammo now. We don't need to these goals now. Save them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these goals. <laughs> um. No. I mean. I guess. I guess the way how I would summarize the season is: defense might not win you games. But they damn sure can lose you some. Yeah. <laughs> they damn sure can lose you some, man. I think I, I think like if you if you would ask us at the beginning of the year, like what's one of the hallmarks of a Darren Swatch team is defense, right? We saw that at the start of the year where the defense was literally carrying this team, like clean sheets, all this stuff. Since July, we haven't had a clean sheet. Like we haven't had I cannot think. I take that back. There's only one good defensive performance in that stretch, and that's the Lexington game. Yeah. That's the only one I can give you that I'm like, all right, the defense didn't lose this game. This wasn't on the defense, right? But outside of that, man, like, I mean, definitely a, a lot of this hangs on Darren and the coaching staff. Some of it is on the players for the mentality of it as well. Um it's just, I don't know. I hope, my hope is that they learn the mistakes of this year with negotiating with the CBA, uh, player reconstruction, recruiting the. What I say is, I'm not saying like Belmar or others aren't good players or good people, but just getting the right parts in to do what you want to do, right? And to have the ability to it's one thing of bringing in players and you're trying to be flexible and trying to change systems instead of seeing something that's not working, which to Darren's credit, he has. He's tried different formations, he's tried different styles. But the thing is, it's like you also gotta have that force and amount of knowing, like, all right, is this player I'm bringing in flexible enough to do the things that I need him to do? Right. And we didn't see a lot of that. Right, we didn't see a lot of flexibility in the players um, from the management standpoint and from his standpoint. So that's that's the way I would summarize to kind of look at it. Um, I mean, 
I feel like next week's podcast is going to be fun, so we'll save a lot of this. So that's why we're holding back so much because I feel like a lot of the stuff we want to talk about, but we're not going to waste it here because we're trying to save it for next week. But let me ask you guys this quick question, real quick, and I will will wrap up after this. But this point next year, so fast forward to next year. Do you think we'll be in the same situation, or do you think it will be different? That, that, to be honest with you, all depends on what happens during the offseason in terms of who's brought in, um, who leaves, um, yeah, who leaves and who stays and who comes. Yeah, I guess what I'm truly asking is, is like, we all see the warning signs, but are these a war, are, are these warning signs that can be easily solved and fixed? Or are these warning signs is like, all right, you, you might just have to demo the whole thing and start over. And even if that is bringing in a new coaching staff. Uh, well, bringing in a new coaching staff, I know that, that I, I knew even when things started really getting bad, probably like mid to end July when it was like, mm, there isn't a win in sight and we're, we're hemorrhaging, we're, we're destroying lead after lead after lead. I, I knew that there was, there was no way Darren was going to be going anywhere. Um, when you look at the track record, I, I didn't see Darren going anywhere. Um, but one thing that I do think is there is going to need to be a drastic change in how we play. Because one thing that we did have before was Terzaghi, basically. And and going three seasons back-to-back with depending on him to score the goals, I think was the most detrimental thing to the team. And we saw that ugly monster rear its head this season. When, when you, when you are depending on one player to score your goals, when that player either gets figured out or injured, you're going to go through a spell of complete zero productivity. And I think that's what we had the second half of the season. The moment Terzaghi gets injured, it's like the rest of the guys are like lost puppies. How are we going to get goals? And yes, Neil Vignoles is going to get a few for you, but he's a, he's, he's a midfielder. He's not far enough up the field to, create, to, to score those goals. We have trained our wingers to send crosses in and not to cut inside and try and finish themselves. And so when you have that system set up for a focal point, you're going to get the situation happen. If that focal point is either figured out by the rest of the league or injured. And at this point right now, I think Darren needs to look at, the, at within himself and be like, all right, how can we create a team where we can get goals from more than one place on the field? Yeah. Matt, Kate, anything for y'all? I mean, if it's not any better next year, 
you think I'm somebody negative now if we're running off another uh, double digit winless streak. You ain't seen nothing yet, then. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I think at this point, being able to reach a 16-match winless streak without a considerable effort to try something new doesn't bode well for future interest in trying something new. I don't really understand how you can get to the point where you don't win in 16 matches and still haven't. Because at the end of the day, apologies to any people who are interested in watching system-based football results matter far more. So I just, I, I don't, I don't know how much worse it can get before there's an interest in trying something new or at least putting results over perform like you know a performance on paper um so i would not say that reaching a 16 match win streak has demonstrated interest in uh in this round uh that's that's pretty pretty bad so i would say i i i am not I'm going to have to be shown <laughs> something different before I believe it though. And words, words are, words are cheap. Talk is cheap. So right now I, I'm not expecting anything different. If 16 matches isn't enough of a wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the happiest time you know, for a supporter. Cause that's where you get a dream. That's where you yeah. get the excitement of the new signings. You get a, yeah. Convince yourself, delude yourself, pick your pick your poison of how you know which end of the you know cup you like, you know better there. But you know, just look ahead because after we talk about this next week, I'm really not interested in looking back. No, not either. Not either. Um, so yeah, and it just popped up on my phone of where we were last year. Um, it's kind of somber of where we were last year. So a little better. Yeah, a little better, a little better. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are some positives in this year, such as like this Landon, Nick, uh, Gay, Beckett getting meaningful minutes, providing William Palmquest showing that um, he's a capable number one. Neil Vinyals taking his team by the reins, uh, the youth system being developed. Um, but those don't mask up the the negatives that. You know, you got to be real with. Um, and I don't think we would be fair as journalists. You know, we're more than fans. I think we're proper journalists at this point, covering the team. Um, and we, we have to look at those negatives, how they are addressed, and making sure that they're being held accountable. Um, so, yeah. So, guys, I just want to say, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure to do this podcast with y'all. This is not how I think we wanted season five of River City 93 to uh, to go about, but hey, we made it to five years. I think that's probably the more important thing about it. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> we made it to five years of covering this team, man. But yeah, man, um, next week we're going to do our end of the year season wrap-up show. Um, it should be a fun one. It should be a good one. We're going to have a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. Um, but it, it'll be a lighter mood. I'll put it to you like that. 
for a lot of move, folks. Um, but yeah, um, get off social media, get out the Facebook groups, go touch some grass, enjoy the weather, have some fun. I do. I certainly did. A time, like I said, I had a time Saturday, boy. Had a time. Um, Matt, Kate, Shadir, I just want to say thank y'all once again for doing this podcast with me. I couldn't do this without y'all. I love y'all so much. Um, I look forward to doing these. Yeah, I think doing these shows with y'all have made it digestible to watch this season. Knowing that I can talk to y'all the next day about them is definitely uh, it's helped a lot. Um, and listeners, as always, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to us, to watch us, to engage with us. Um, hopefully we have informed y'all well enough on the team, and we look forward to doing it again starting off next year. Um, but as always, be on the lookout for content coming out on RiverCena.com. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, and with that being said, for the last time for this godforsaken season, for the regular season, um, we're signing off. So as always, up the roofs, be safe, and be easy. Uh-huh.